Good morning, everybody. It's Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer at Efficient Market Advisors. We are a business of Cantor Fitzgerald Investment Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary for the week beginning today, Monday, June 21st, 2021. You can, of course, follow me intra-week on at ETF underscore strategist on the Twitter, I think the Twitter, as I like to call it, uh, or on LinkedIn, just Herb Morgan. Uh, this is also available uh, in multiple formats, available as a podcast. The podcast is called Slaying Bulls and Bears. The uh, other way is to go to our website or get on our weekly email distribution list. The website is efficient-portfolios.com. The presentation you're seeing and hearing is prepared by me, by us, for use with both investors and financial advisors. Of course, each are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation is investment advice, nor should it be treated as such. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. This represents uh, informational information and is to be used only for informational purposes. We had a little bit of a taper tantrum, a little mini taper tantrum last week, as one one uh, Federal Reserve Board member suggested that it was possible that we could see a rate hike as early as 2022. Markets sold off on that, coupled with the fears of the inflation, which obviously drove the comment about possibly raising rates as well. Mid and small cap stocks really took the brunt of it down five, almost 5% on small and over 5% on mid cap stocks. Still, here it is Monday morning, the 21st. It's about 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. And we're seeing a massive rally back in the stock prices. We're up over 500 points on the Dow. As we speak, the S&P is up over 50 points today. Remarkably resilient bond market in the face of higher inflation, higher inflation expectations, perhaps a tapering of asset purchases, and the bond market goes higher still. Uh, so this is just fascinating, interesting. I would have thought that by now we'd be getting closer to 180, 190 this year on the US 10. I certainly would not think we would have uh, rallied back to the point where rates dropped below one and a half on the US 10 year. It's a pretty phenomenal thing to witness. Let's get into the economic data uh, from last week and then we'll kind of move forward and talk about what we think that this week is going to be all about. Uh, retail sales were reported for the month of May last week. They were expected to fall. They did. They fell a little bit more than expected. Uh, why? The waning of the stimulus spending, right? We put checks and deposits in people's accounts. They went out and spent it. They mostly spent it on goods, getting a lot of stuff online, the Amazon, the orders, so forth. Uh, and now we're seeing a move back because of reopening towards more experiences or services. So a uh, little bit of a decline there, obviously just a, just a, fade from the uh, lack of, of a stimulus check coming every month. Uh, the real uh, watch from last week was PPI, producer price index. Producer prices were expected to go up a pretty healthy half a percent. They went up quite a bit more, so that's a bad report, up eight-tenths of a percent. They're now up 6.6 .6 on a year-over-year -year basis. Uh, taking off food and energy, we're up almost 5% year-over-year. But it does, the data looking through the reading of the details suggests that for now, the producers are able to pass through these cost increases to consumers, whether it's permanent or transitory is the debate. 
The consumers are not slowing down. They are absorbing those costs, thereby preserving margins, presumably. We'll know more when we get the June quarter earnings reports. But at this point, it does not look like the higher prices are going to have a negative impact on profits. We also got from um, the Fed, the New York State uh, Fed survey or manufacturing survey. There they said new orders fell to a pretty high level still, 16.3. Shipments fell to 14.2, still a pretty good level. Same thing with employment. Why supply chain, supply side problems? That's what's really interesting about everything we're talking about. My whole career, recessions were always demand-based. Aggregate demand was insufficient. Therefore, we had excess supply of labor and resources. Now, uh, anything, any downward movement in numbers is due to a lack of supply. And quite frankly, this recession, which we manufactured intentionally, was restricting supply. It was not a demand-based or demand-side recession. Industrial production and capacity utilization came out last week. We're expecting a, a nice hike, seven-tenths. We've got an even nicer eight-tenths. Manufacturing uh, capacity utilization rose, broke through that 75% per 75%, which is the right-hand scale. It's the red there. You don't really start seeing inflationary pressures until you get up closer to that 80% level. Again, though, this is the same story through almost every report. Uh, everybody's talking about continued supply ch uh, chain constraints, bottlenecks, increased delivery times, lack of labor, et cetera. Uh, so we're still seeing that, although it does appear at this point, it is most, most likely the worst has happened. The eye of the storm has passed, uh, so to speak, in this regard. Business store inventories for April were down two-tenths of a percent. Uh, the, on the manufacturer and wholesaler side, both higher, but retailer industries got drained, almost down, uh, down almost 2%. So that's a positive, certainly a positive for the economy. It says they're going to replace that. Uh, and the bottlenecks are going to ease a little bit. The inventory to sales ratio uh, still very low at 1.26 compared to a year ago at about 1.73. The housing market continues to be very strong and there seems to be a little bit of relief on the horizon for the nation's home builders as lumber prices are down almost 50% in the last uh, well, five, six weeks or so. Um, the sentiment reading from the National Association of Home Builders uh, came out last week, fell, uh, but to a very, very high level. Uh, they said that the only reason it's not higher is that the housing costs are deterring buyers. Uh, it's very hard to get building materials. It's very hard to get skilled labor, sub, subcontractors on the jobs. Um, so uh, even though this 81 was the lowest reading in 10 months, it's a very, very high reading, and again, consistent with the other, but whether it's manufacturing or what we're hearing is hard to get parts, hard to get supplies, hard to get lumber, tile, refrigerators, doors, windows, et cetera. All of this uh, is was drove that modest decline in the sentiment there. Didn't stop uh, the home builders from starting new, new homes or pulling permits uh, at all. Um, you can see here, housing starts rose to about 1.6. Uh, building permits fell a little bit to about 1.7. Those are very, very healthy numbers, positive numbers indeed, suggest good times ahead for the nation's home builders. Important export prices are reflecting or echoing uh, what we saw in PPI and what we saw the prior week in CPI, both import and export prices higher 
and significantly higher on a year-over-year -year basis, import up 11 and exports up about 17. Again, that's sort of a base effect. The month we're comparing to a year ago was uh, pretty bad, uh, part of the COVID-related COVID um, shutdown. The Fed's really been sticking to their guns, kind of. Uh, they keep saying they want to see more people return to work. The problem is people aren't returning to work as fast as the Fed would like them to, or any of us would like them to. In many cases, it's because the calculus uh, of a return to work with enhanced benefits for not going to work may be enough that the marginal benefit of working does not exceed the marginal cost to some rational players. Uh, weekly jobless claims were up last week. We're not concerned about that. The downward trend is still very much uh, intact and fully in place. We go to the JOLTS report for that, uh, to back up that statement. The JOLTS or the job openings report showed layoff rates in April at the lowest ever recorded. So we think we're gonna go back to the threes uh, on this this week. And I wouldn't at all be surprised to see us get into the twos as we progress through the summer. One of the reasons for that is we have more states continuing to end the extended federal unemployment benefit, which was on top of their state benefit. Uh, we have four more states had their benefits end on Saturday, Saturday, just a couple of days ago. Philly Fed survey, Philly Fed survey fell, but to a very high level, 30.7, pretty much in line with 31 estimate. New orders fell, but high. Employment fell, but high. Uh, so solid number from the Philadelphia region there. So we've had, we did have though more volatility last week. A little bit of a spike in the VIX, uh, commodities rolling over, stock market obviously saw small and mid cap stocks down, you know, about five percent. It all comes back to the Fed. The FOMC had a meeting last week where they did not change interest rates, as we knew they wouldn't. Uh, but we began to see a crack in the unified front of all the different Fed voting members. That's why you have a committee. Sometimes you have differing opinions and sometimes people stray from the consensus. Somebody has to be the first one to stray from that consensus and then others follow along at some point. Uh, what we do think here at EMA is that the inflation rates, the high numbers that we saw like in PPI have essentially peaked. But unfortunately, so too have the year over year growth rates in earnings and GDP in the second quarter in the second quarter. That's not quite over yet. We've got 10 days or nine days here today being June 21st. Uh, that doesn't mean earnings are going to go negative or growth rates are going negative, but the rate of increase on a year over year basis, because we're coming off of the big recession and the COVID shutdown, we think those things have all peaked and will be transitory at that level, including inflation. We've also got a Fed that remains incredibly supportive of growth and an employment situation that's very, very supportive. All-time high openings in jobs, all-time low layoffs in jobs. So we've got really almost, some people would call it a perfect storm uh, for the economy to continue to do well. Therefore, in our view, the risk of a recession in the next, say, 12 months is virtually zero. Never 100% zero. There could be an external shock, et cetera. But yet we're running monetary policy on an as-if basis, because this, the Fed is really fixated on getting another seven to nine million people back into the labor force. Some of that's going to happen on its own as those extended benefits run out. So whether it's on its own or, or because inflation spikes too much or whatever, uh, a lot of talk has now turned to when the Fed would taper. That's not tightened. 
That's just buying less bonds. So going from 120 billion a month, maybe down to 105, then down to 90, then down to 75, then down to 60, et cetera. Uh, as such, we've seen corn drop from its recent high, about 12%, lumber down almost 50%, sugar down eight. Uh, the one that's hanging strong, it's a little bit of a surprise, is oil hanging in at about $72 a barrel. barrel. And US cost of production uh, is around 1350. So that spread between the cost of production and the price of oil at a very high level, in fact, the highest level on record, suggests that oil too will join some of the other commodities and begin to come down in price. And this fear of inflation and these rising inflation expectations are likely to end up being, as the Fed predicted, somewhat transitory. Now, this week though, now the Fed has to get back out on the road. They probably left their meeting in their press conference. We had uh, uh, James Bullard, one of the voting members, had kind of swayed from the consensus a little bit, his right to do that. And so I think we're gonna see a lot of people out on the road this week talking and trying to get that message back on track. First off, we have Chairman Powell testifying to a House of Representatives panel tomorrow, Tuesday. No doubt we'll get some tough questioning in the People's House about his views on inflation and the current policy stance of the Federal Reserve. We have New York Fed President John Williams and Eric Rosengren from Boston. Uh, they are two of the bigger speakers this week, but many other Fed officials will be out on the road speaking, whether it's to Wall Street, to academia, or to business. They're going out there to try to convey the message and promote the concept that they have the situation well in hand. And uh, you know, partly, this is partly no doubt in response to uh, James Bullard's comments last week after the meeting. This is the St. Louis president where he said, hey, we may actually have the first rate hike in 2022, which is obviously next year. To me, that's not that big of a deal to have one voting member to, you know, have opinion that's just a little bit different from the rest of the group. So I think the market probably overreacted. That's probably the reason you see it up 500 points this morning. The famous or infamous, depending on your point of view, dot plot, this is where members of the FOMC not all of which are voting members, where the members believe the Fed fund rates will be. So in 2021, nobody believes it'll be any higher than it is, 25 basis points. In 2022 now, we have, you can see seven members, of a minority of members, thinking that they'll be a little higher. But what surprised everybody was now quite a few members, you know, some of the more hawkish members up there, thinking that this could go higher in 23, maybe even a hike or two in 22. That's what surprised the market. That's what caused a little bit of a sell-off there towards the latter part of uh, last week. This week, not a whole lot of economic data on that matters. I really think what's going to matter this week is the Fed speak and the, the roadshow, essentially, for the Fed and all the talking heads of the Fed. Still, we've got home sales, some PMIs from Marquette, uh, weekly jobs claims back with a three-handle, no doubt. First quarter GDP, another print there, 6.4, not expecting any change. Personal income, prices, you know, PCE index, et cetera. Again, I really think this week it's getting to be the end of the quarter. So we're going to back off ahead of the June jobs reports. We're going to back off ahead of June, you know, Q2 GDP reports. Uh, in terms of focusing on day-to-day, -day, we're going to back off 
Uh, we're going to get a better jobs report. We're going to get the better GDP reports. Earnings, I think, are going to be phenomenal as we move into July. So I think the melt-up can possibly continue. Still, at about 4225 in the S&P, we're not exactly undervalued anymore, but nor are we particularly overvalued. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. I thank you, as always, for your time and participation. I look forward to uh, seeing you all again next week.